There's a drive in Kelly for like serious self-worth. Get curious about sex. I'm not only going to woo my partner, but I'm going to woo myself. And then meditate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a monk. You're not always in control. And it was like pride, not have periods, not have emotions. I'm going to need to feel everything. I found in those shattered pieces my truth. We're just piling more shame and judgment on top of the original problem. You're sick. Your body's revolting against you. Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus. These are things that can be simmering on you that you don't know. And they're the trigger for your problem. Making the connection between your mind and your body, your emotional needs. That is how we heal. You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Ooh, baby, baby, do we have a good one for you. You know, when your friends come over and you have these amazing conversations and you're like, damn, I really wish we recorded that. I did. I recorded it because I'm brilliant. And today's guest brought the freaking heat. Brianna D was in town from LA, staying with us in Denver. And I have been dying to get her on the show for about a year now. And we finally coordinated it because I held her hostage in our guest room and made her do it. Um, Brianna, in case you don't know, is this amazing woman who does so many things. I don't even know where to begin. She hosts the Shadowlight podcast. And she works with entrepreneurs to master their mindset and their emotions, but she takes it a step further in really showing up in such a beautifully grounded spiritual way. So you'll hear her in this episode. Some of the stuff she says, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because she is so brilliant and so tapped in and she has a way of talking about really difficult high level topics, but then making it simple so that you can understand. I don't know how she does it, but she's incredible at it. So in this episode, we talk a lot about how she grew up in chaos and how that triggered chronic illness for her and being surrounded by addiction and death. And she talks about the fact that even when you don't know, you know. And the physical and the emotional and sexual abuse that she endured growing up around drugs as a child and all of the unknowns and chaos that brings her work with NLP and hypnotherapy, her past life as a lawyer, very interesting. And the fact that she's obsessed with the human psyche and all of these seasons of life that we go through. I love her. I love her message. I love the way she makes me feel. And this conversation really got me. And I was so impressed at the way she addressed so many really interesting, difficult topics. And I know you guys will love her. So find Brianna on Instagram at Brianna Sane Things. It's B-R-Y-A-N-N-A, Sane Things. And make sure you send her some love after you listen to this and let us know what you think. And before we get into this episode with Bri... Real quick, not sure if you guys heard, but I started a production company and podcast network, and we are so excited to have seven podcasts under our umbrella as of now. We're only taking three more for this quarter, and then we will wrap it up and wait to onboard new shows, but we are handling everything from production to a mastermind with all of our hosts to sharing podcast guests and access to all of those people, as well as 
big time sponsorship across the board for the entire network and really being transparent about podcasting and what goes into it, the things that it feels like none of us knew when we started and really creating a community of support. And I want you guys to be a part of it. So if you have a podcast, if you want to start a podcast, if you know someone who needs support in this, let's work together. Soulfire Productions is ready to take you on, ready to support you. And this is a venture that I am in with my incredible partner, Connor, and my dear friend, Kristen. And we have everything covered. So if you have any questions or want to work with us, just send me a message and I can get you connected, get on the phone, and we'll see if it's a fit. All right, kids, let's get into this one with Brie. Okay, so tell me what in the actual fuck you've been doing for the last week. (laughs) I've never started a pod with that question. I kind of like it. I know. I'm like, oh, I'm nervous now. (laughs) What are you even doing with your life? Honestly. (laughs) Aside from sleeping in my house, which I really like. I would love for somebody to tell me what I'm doing (laughs) with my life. If somebody could figure it out for me and just like package it in a box and pretty put a pretty little bow on it and be like, okay, this is what you're doing now. This is great. I know. Because very often I feel like. I have no fucking clue, Mm -hmm. but I also do know in the moment, in every step, I know exactly what I'm doing. And I I trust that I know where I am is where I'm supposed to be. And what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. I just, and I see like 10 years ahead, I can see a far vision or a bigger vision, but I very often feel like right now, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So tell me about what this last week has entailed. Yes. So last week I was at an energy work conference, event, workshop, whatever you'll call it in Denver and, or right outside of Denver. And it is called, it's, so it, it works with this man whose name is Donnie Epstein and he has been doing energy work for gosh, like 30 or 40 years. I mean, he was writing about manifestation and a lot of things that are becoming popularized now in like the early nineties, late eighties. And he, it's so difficult for me to explain because it's hard to understand without the experience. Mm -hmm. So he has a few different lines of work that he does. And one line is called network spinal analysis. And that's only chiropractors do that. So I don't do that, but I've been receiving that care for almost two years Mm -hmm. and it has drastically changed my life. So in 2012, I did my first Reiki master certification and started learning about energy work and understanding like it was so foreign to me. I did not grow up talking about, I mean, anything healing out there. I mean, my dad like makes fun of, he calls me dirty hippie. He's (laughs) like, nobody in my family understands what the heck I'm talking about. So in 2012, I found Reiki and I was so obsessed with it. I did a master Reiki training and I was teaching yoga at the time and really getting into that world. And then in 2014, I went to law school and just kind of put everything else on the back burner. And in 2017, other than acupuncture, I started doing more energy work and I've gone through a bunch of different schooling and teachers and really just trying to, I'm always kind of learning more and I love it. I'm so fascinated with the way that the world is made up and the way that we understand the world. Mm -hmm. And what he does is really quantum healing. So it's, it's like so strange for, to explain and try to understand, but 
it's, it's energy work, quantum energy work. And he works with the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's more of the network spinal analysis. I mean, anyone who's listening, if this sounds interesting to you, definitely look up network spinal analysis and see if you have any practitioners near you. It's the most profound thing that I've done in my life for my emotional health, my physical health, my everything has just, it's so balancing because it does, it works with the parasympathetic nervous system and with your spine and you hold so many emotions. And I mean, your whole history of your life is in your spine Mm -hmm. and you can tell, I mean, the things that I've learned from him of how you can see in different parts of your spine, different developmental phases and um, different traumas or events that may have happened based on how your spine is moving or not moving, where you hold tension, where you don't hold tension, all of that. So that's not what I was learning. I was learning more of the quantum out there stuff, but I know that was interdimensional travel. Yeah. Yes. There was interdimensional travel. There's, it's just, I, in some ways too, I'm still wrapping my own head around it because I've just been, I've been in the network care for almost two years and I'm obsessed with my doctor. If you're in LA in West Hollywood kind of area, Christopher George, look him up like game changer. He is and he's become a dear friend. He's like somebody who's totally changed my life. And, um, yeah, it's, it's so being in that for two years. And then in September I met the founder and went to one of his events in Denver, the, like the shorter, more introductory event that was still related to network spinal analysis. And for the first time I understood what I had been doing all that time. Mm. And because when you go to an event, you're in a huge group of like hundreds of people in the room doing the same work. So the field is bigger and you feel the energy stronger. And you, for at least for somebody who's new and hasn't had that connection on their own yet, for me, that was my experience was to understand it and to feel it in the larger context and be like, oh my God, this is what you've been doing this whole time. And I had no freaking clue. Mm. And to start to connect the dots of why it had been helping me so much and changing my life so much has been really incredible. So I think, you know, we were talking about this last night at dinner. You don't just end up at this seminar, like you don't zero to a hundred, right? Yes. And it's, we were talking about the layers and building the foundation Mm -hmm. within your healing Mm -hmm. and your journey in general is like, I had to go through these seven things to even have access to this or to have the awareness or the openness to do something like Mm -hmm. this. So how do you end up doing quantum healing and in this world? So for me, this is the biggest it's a huge story. So I'm going to condense it as best as possible. Um, I mean, I, from birth as a little kid, I was, I thought I was magical. I was playing. And now I look back and I realize I was playing with energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote spells. I was, I thought I was a witch, but I would write spells for like saving humanity and like mm-hmm. my parents loving each other. And I grew up with a lot of chaos, like physical, emotional, and sexual abuse had very young loving parents. And I, I always say that I had the best of this situation because my parents loved the shit out of me. They just were young and didn't know what they were doing and they did the best they could, but it was really tough. And by the time I was 11 or 12, my parents were getting divorced. I stopped speaking to my dad and I was with my mom because I was really her caretaker and she was vulnerable and needed someone there. And there was a lot of heavy drug use, like meth one day, pills the next day, drinking another day. And I was taking care of her. And so there's this level of um, 
intuition, that hypervigilance in the trauma world that you build when you grow up in this home where you don't know what you're coming home to. You don't know when it's going to be safe, to what level it's going to be safe. I mean, there's been knives pulled and guns and uh, there's just a lot of things that I experienced in my younger years that really set me up to be so sensitive to everything. And then also having just this profound love. And my mom, she was young and immature and a, a totally bananas. Um, but she was just the most loving, vibrant. I mean, everyone was just drawn to her, just this big spirit and so lovely and wonderful. So it was this, this juxtaposition of this person. And when I was in 2009, I moved to Boulder, Colorado for college. And I was away from my family dynamic for the first time. And, um, so I should say too, in 2000, when, or when I was like 13, I don't know, 2003, my mom was diagnosed with bipolar schizophrenia. She sobered up and within 30 days of coming clean off of meth and heavy drugs, she was diagnosed. So this is a whole other conversation for, which basically led me down the path of like, fuck medication, fuck diagnoses. This is, that is not who she is. Look at this life she's living. Of course she's appearing to be this way, but that's, we could do a whole podcast on that. Um, and so I moved in with my dad who I hadn't been speaking to and it just, there was just tension. My mom was in and out of group homes. She was on disability and and government assistance and it was, it was challenging. And so I moved away for the first time and I was on the snowboard team and I had friends and we were partying and it was like utopia. And if you've been to Boulder before, like utopia, and yet I just was having this extreme guilt for not being at home and worrying about my mom and, and just feeling disconnected. And I was feeling really torn and I started having health issues. And at the time I was, oh my gosh, 2009 for the next seven years, I had so many diagnoses again, could do a whole podcast on that alone. And, um, I went, so I started getting prescribed things and prescribed things. And at one point I was in the ER at three in the morning, drove myself there in a snowstorm because my roommates were out of town and was broken out in hives because I'd been on penicillin for six months. Oh my God. I developed an allergic reaction to penicillin. Like it just, things escalated. So after a year of being in Boulder, I thought, I just was convinced that I was allergic to Boulder. Like the, I thought it was the trees or I didn't know what it was. So looking back, it was the beginning of autoimmune symptoms and also correlated to my emotional, leaving my family dynamics, the strain of my body. And yeah, so from 2009, really until like 2014, 15, I was seeing so many doctors and trying so many things and up and down and high and low. And in 2012, my mom passed away and that cracked open another layer. 2013, I went to law school I'm like, this is total hodgepodge, but I'm trying to like condense. No, I love it. This is okay. great. <laughs> 2013, I went to law school to advocate for mental health rights, disability rights, um, because of my experiences growing up. It was really, I was really angry. And um, I should also mention my mom, when she died, she overdosed. And the doctor at the time told me it was, basically told me it was a suicide. And I knew that that was wrong. And for 10 years, she was so sick and fought so hard and had always said, like, I'm fighting for my babies. Like, you guys are the reason for living. And so it started this inner conflict of like, I know they're wrong, but everyone's telling me that she did. And like, it doesn't make any sense. And then everyone's saying that everyone's in denial. Another long story short, six years later, the California Medical Board opened up um, an investigation uh, on my mom's case. And she had the 
prescribed dosages in her system. So she did overdose, but it was from the doctor's prescription. Yeah. So, but for six years, I'm in this place of trying to grasp this. I wasn't talking about it. I didn't tell anybody what had happened. I didn't tell anybody about the confusing parts. Like I was so confused. I was in law school. I was working in prisons and mental institutions and in all these facilities. And I'm seeing just one, I'm feeling, I'm still having my own health issues. I'm wildly depressed until I fall in love with a boy and have like a year of bliss. And then we break up and the depression goes suicidal, like deep down there. So I'm having all of this. My little brother's been addicted and like really struggling with his addiction issues. My dad is having his own issues, family conflicts. So I'm like just feeling it from all of these different areas. And I'm going to doctors and I'm going to healers and I'm doing acupuncture and I'm learning, you know, in working in mental health facilities in the role of a lawyer, but still reading the case files and just getting really angry about the way that doctors were diagnosing and treating and, and the lot, a lot of the systems that I saw and being there and being so intuitive and in tune and feeling the souls of these people that I was with and feeling, hearing their life stories and understanding more, all of the dots started to connect that it was so much more than what we're seeing on this physical plane of like, if you do this, then you're that, or, you know, these diagnoses of, oh, you're depressed or you're crazy or you're this or that. Like it just, there's so many of these little threads that kept me searching. And over the past eight, 10 years, I've been actively seeking, searching trainings, healings, working with therapists who then became mentors and taught me things. So I've done neuroscience and psychology, which was also what I did in my undergrad. I learned a lot about consciousness. I've been, went to like Buddhist temples and Hindus, like was seeking for spirituality, seeking in psychology, not getting the answers or getting answers that I didn't fully understand. Did my master practitioner in NLP and hypnotherapy and just was really like, I mean, it's, I've literally over the past 10 years and hundreds of thousands of dollars and thousands and thousands of hours. And just like on this obsessive quest to understand, you know, what makes us tick, what makes us happy. And also realizing that all of these things that I'm learning from other people are things that I just intuitively understood as a kid Mm. all along. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the long winded answer of coming back to Last year, 2019, for me, I kind of went just like, what am I doing? And what I've been working with clients and I have a podcast and and kind of sharing things on social media and doing little speaking engagements and stepping out into this world of sharing things and then feeling like my own understanding of my story is changing so quickly and getting into this energy work and getting into these like way out there layers of letting go of all of the physical health, like the ways that I was trying to heal myself physically with all the supplements and all the training and all the food, and then letting go of even the spiritual and letting go of kind of all of the dogmatic and all of the practitioner and all of the learnings and just being present with like, where am I? What do I feel about this? What do I believe? I've actually known a lot of this stuff that I've taken this long route trying to learn and understand. These are things that I was saying as a kid, Mm. going through old journals and seeing letters that I wrote to myself and things that I wrote at 10, 11, 12, and like telling myself the answers that I have been desperately seeking for over the past decade. And I just, yeah. So now I'm kind of in this place where I'm more interested in exploring 
the out there and I'm still learning and present here with the like psychological, spiritual, physical. I mean, I love all of it. And this is all work that I do with my clients is literally like environment. So you're physical. I love intuitive interiors, like mm. the energy of your spaces and mm. the way that you live within work, home, et cetera, mind, body, heart, soul. So it's, it's a whole holistic system. It's not just what's out there, but where I'm at in my own journey, which is literally, I've never talked about any of this, but I'm, I'm loving like, this I'm right like, now. Everyone's going to think I'm fucking weird. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm weird. We're all weird. It's great. You know, but I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah, please. I mean, wow. Okay. So much there. So we're going to try and go through all of this. I know. I just gave you like, no, I love it. Multiple lifetimes of things. Um, the thing that is, sticks out for me initially is this idea that we discussed before we in our process of healing and self-discovery, we think we come to an answer until mm -hmm. we realize that wasn't the answer. And then we think we find the not, another answer and we're like, that's not it. And that's what you did. It was like practitioner, shaman, medicine work, yeah. go to this retreat, do this thing, yep. read this book. And it's like, take this supplement. Right. And so much of what I've done is about supplements and non-toxic and all of these things. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, it's all emotional shit. It is all at the very root, the emotional and energetic emotion. That's exactly. Yeah. Right. Like emotions are energy, energy stuck yeah. in my body, this stagnant energy that can't move. And of course I'm going to be sick. Of course my body's going to revolt against me. And I feel like that is what you discovered. How have you taken all of these things and understood that there was something deeper? There was a layer deeper that you were missing. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like that's where you are. Yeah. I mean, for now, but in a year right. from now, I might be like, Oh, I didn't, I thought exactly. that was the thing. I, I mean, the same, it's a few things. So one, I always, it, it can be a bottom, this like self discovery and self understanding the human psyche, which is really what my interest area is. I mean, I was 12 walking to the Barnes and Nobles across the street from my house, using my babysitting money to get self-help books. So, and like obsessed with Sylvia Plath and Ernest Hemingway and Carl Jung and like wow. just the human psyche. I'm just fascinated by people. And maybe it's my soul came here already there. Maybe it's because I lived with parents who on the physical plane were not lovable in a lot of ways. And I had to see their souls and understand how to really love these people. Mm. And I don't, I don't know. There's so many things it could be, but that's really what my interest area is. And it's a black hole. There are so many answers. None of them are right. None of them are wrong. It's what works for me. It's what works for you. And it does come down to energy. And, but even for people who aren't ready, they're not open enough or not open. I don't want to say not open up enough. Cause I don't mean that in a judgmental or like hierarchical way, but just they're not in a place where they want to see that or understand that mm -hmm. they can still understand emotional acuity. Like I work with a lot of high achievers, um, executives and entrepreneurs and people who are not as out there. I mean, they it's, I have to put things in really pragmatic terms for a lot of people that I work with and that can come down to emotional resilience and understanding how you show up in a situation. Like it's, there's always more and it's always the next thing. And we're always learning and growing. And I actually have a client who's a 70 year old man and he's like, badass attorney. I mean, there's, he's an amazing, amazing dude who has accomplished a lot in his life and is now like to a point where there's, there's that, that higher level or deeper level or however you identify with it of the soul, the spirit, 
what have you. And it's, um, yeah, I did. I don't know. I don't know how to be any other way. I've literally been like this my whole life and I don't know how, I don't know what the how is because I'm always looking for answers. I'm always looking to understand and sometimes to my own detriment because some things are not understandable. Yeah, Some things are supposed to be mysterious and magical. And I caused myself a lot of pain for a lot of years trying to understand the ununderstandable. And it wasn't until I let that go and just decided that, you know, it's funny, even I told you the story about my mom. So two years ago, my mom's eight year death anniversary was actually four or five days ago. So it was earlier last week while I was at this event mm. and it was the day at the event we were doing soul energy work. Wow. And we were talking about how people leave at particular times and how their leaving is always a gift to you, even though it hurts. It's the death is the gift, which for me is true. Cause it was, I was able to let go and start moving into myself and a whole bunch of things. But, um, it was wild. It was so, I was crying all day, but like deep, beautiful cries. And, um, I totally just completely forgot. Two years the, ago was oh, your mom's eight thank year. You. Yeah. So two years ago, I had just quit my legal job, put my stuff in storage. I was living with a friend in Dallas. My stuff was in New Orleans. I had no idea what was next. I hadn't moved back to LA yet. Didn't know what I was doing. And I called my uncle on New Year's Eve and I was just so sad. I was crying him, crying to him. I was so sad at that point because I like didn't know what I was doing. I was releasing so much energetically, emotionally, et cetera. And I, I called him and I was like, I just wish that there were more things that I could know about my mom as an adult. I wish there's more ways that I could relate. Like I can't talk to my dad about anything. He just can't go there. It's too much for him to do any real emotions. I mean, we do the holiday. How are you, honey? He doesn't even know about my work. Like wow. it's just, but he's not capable. That's just the, his bandwidth mm -hmm. is very tight and I have to learn to love that for what it is. So I called my uncle who is my mom's brother. They were best friends, hadn't spoken to him in a long time, had been pretty disconnected and he lives in Colorado. So I flew out here a couple of days later. He's like, come here, let's spend some time together. Let's talk. I had the free time and went to Boulder for the day of my mom's death anniversary. It's January 7th and was walking around and just, I was talking to him about kind of my confusion about her death. So it was before I'd gotten the call from the investigators and I was still just trying to understand and he didn't understand. And we were both just like, you know what, maybe it's just time to just accept it. Wow. And we don't know what it is. And so I wrote an Instagram post. So here's the thing. I just started Instagram Christmas day. I had been off of social media during law school, started Instagram, not knowing what was happening online, not knowing that people were starting to like share authentically, whatever. <laughs> and I wrote this post basically saying I was visiting my friend in New York on Christmas. And I was like, I'm here and it's, I could put this picture and talk about the deep belly laughs we've had and the wine and how amazing it's been. And that's true, but it's not the whole truth. The whole truth is I'm here because I don't feel like I can go home. I don't feel like I have a home to go to. I'm depressed. And she's been holding space for me to really grieve. And it's the first holiday of my life that I've let myself be honest and to say, I wish I had a family. Like in the past, I had always, I have a family, I have a wonderful family, but I wish I had the connection that I wanted, what my personal desires were. And so I had spent a lot of years going to friends and boyfriends, et cetera, and just pretending. And it was the first Christmas that I just said, I'm going to be real about this. And it felt so good that I was like, I want to start talking about this. Mm -hmm. And then January 7th, that so was Christmas, January 7th, I wrote about my mom's death. And it was the first time I wrote about her overdosing. And I, I thought I just needed to decide that she chose that she committed suicide, shared it, 
connected it to my Facebook, shared it, had so many messages. People that I knew as a kid who were who told me about their parents committing suicide. Wow. I didn't know that about them. Just so many things. I had some of my best friends. I mean, cause I didn't tell anybody anything. I was so locked up at that point in my life and really seeking behind the scenes, but still trying to act like this perfect little, I got everything together guys. And I had people calling me like, what the fuck? How did we not know this about you? We don't know all these things about you. And we've known you for 10, 15 years. And I'm like, I know it's just hard to talk about. It's easier to write a social media post. <laughs> it was maybe three weeks later that the investigator called me. Six years, six years later. And it was the moment I decided, like, this is, this is energy. This is the, the unseen hand, the things that move us behind what we actually know are moving us, like the way that things lead us. I don't know. Maybe I just needed to say, I don't know. There's no way for me to know. And it doesn't matter either way. It was her time to go. And I can't imagine the kind of pain she was in because that woman, I mean, her life, I think my life was crazy. Her life was crazier. And she just never had the tools. She didn't have the support. Like there's so many things that, and her dad was giving her meth when she was 12. So she was like, living in. Yeah. So it's, she had a really painful life and she never knew how to get out of the suffering. And she used drugs and alcohol to self-medicate and, um, she was sexually assaulted. She was, I mean, so many things that now, now that I'm in this point in my journey, I look back and it's, it's incredible that she was the light that she was and she was so vibrant as she was. And also that's why she was like Jekyll and Hyde, you know, like so fucked up and then just so amazing. And, um, yeah, there's just, there's just something behind the scenes of everything. And I don't think it's spiritual in some dogmatic way. I don't think it's a story of an ascended master. You know, I love religions. I love Jesus. I love, I've, I love it all. And also I don't think there's any way for us to put in words or stories or to understand or to put in our physical bodies. And it's, it's all energetic and it's all so much bigger. And that's, that's something that blows my mind. Yeah. And I just, I feel like I don't even really have the chance to have this level of this conversation as often. Cause I feel like it takes me months of working with people to even get to a point to even like, Hey, so do you know there's something bigger? Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. I know. Let me just drop this in there real quick. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point too, is like, the searching, the constant searching. I'm like, I mean, I host a fucking show and interview people like you because I'm so curious. I just want to know all the things and like, give me all the information. But for me, it was to your point of being a detriment. It was like my curiosity and my need to know or have answers got the best of me and where I am now. And I feel, I wouldn't say that I'm behind you. I don't like to like make it competitive, but I think I'm, I'm learning to be where you are is this letting go of the attachment to the, the need and the control of knowing and having an actual answer and just allowing things to unfold. And that's where I get tripped up sometimes. It's like, okay, I don't have to have the answer, but I am a seeker. So what is the fine line? And have you found that? A few things. One, what if you already know? Yeah. And what if, what if that's, that's kind of what I was saying is like, I'm learning now things that i knew when I was a kid, just naturally, I just knew. And I think a lot of us just know, I mean, I love hanging out with kids because they are magical mm -hmm. and intuitive and just so in touch. And I think there's so much that we already know that we just don't acknowledge because we're looking for certainty. We're looking to bind ourselves to some kind of identity for certainty, but here's 
the big kicker of it all is that certainty and this like human trying quest understanding for certainty, which I'm so guilty of myself. And I still often have moments where I'm like, and especially when you do have to live in reality, you have to live on the ground, you have to pay bills, you have to, you know, have communication relationships. Like you can't just live out in the stars all the time. I wish you could. I know. Same. Yeah. (laughs) The certainty and the like looking for the answers, this is also going opposite to nature to our nature, but also to nature. I think a lot of pain that humans are in, a lot of the depression and the anxiety and so much is our disconnection from nature and not just the physical, like, oh, we should go out in nature more. Absolutely. Bigger than that, nature, mother nature is wild and she's a bitch sometimes. And there are four seasons of life. You know, there's winter, spring, summer, fall. There's times when you're cold and barren and just like hunkering together for warm, trying to survive. And you don't know if you'll survive. And there's times when you just have everything and it's warm and you just have like fruits are plenty. And you know, it's, there's just seasons of life and we're trying so hard to be certain about things and to cultivate our lives in these ways of like, we build these little boxes, we live in these little boxes. We can go to the store and get any kind of food anytime we want. We plan every piece of our life. We're like going against nature and the the natural way of living, which is in the ebb and flow and not attaching judgment or right or wrong, good, bad, or like happy, sad to winter. When winter comes, you just warm up and do everything you can to get through it. And then when it's gone, you run in the flowers and it's spring and you look at things and you, you don't go, but I was so cold when it was winter. I'm scared. It'll be winter again. You just enjoy what's happening. And That's, that's the piece that I think drives us all mad because, and again, I'm not saying I want to go live out in the forest and be subjected to things. And I'm not saying it's better, like our lifespan or quality of life. So many things are better with the way we have things, but maybe having some kind of balance in there of understanding that we're just, there's some things we're just not supposed to know. Like we don't know when a natural disaster is coming Mm -hmm. and maybe they're coming bigger and harder and getting more bananas because we are more and more disconnected and the earth, the energy is trying to wake us up. Well, no. I, yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I agree. I mean, that's what I keep thinking about Australia. I'm like, when are we going to listen? What is it going to take for us to take a step back and really get in touch with the energy of ourselves, of those around us and allow that to trickle into our communities and even bigger? Because until we are connected to ourselves, we can't connect to anything else. I actually, I want to go there with you because I think a lot of people in chronic illness, that is part of the issue is like a disconnection from your body. Mm -hmm. And I felt that in every aspect of my life, whether it was the day to day, just living sexuality, uh, being comfortable and being human and being in my body. I think there's so many ways people feel disconnected. How has energy work and opening up to this space allowed you to be more connected in your own body? So energy work has actually done the opposite for me. Mm. It's allowed me to connect outside of my body, connect to the cosmos, connect to everything that's around me at every time to understand that, you know, I'm not me. I'm not this body. I'm the observer of me. And where does that observer live? The observer lives in different places for different people. Mm. Some people, their observer lives way out there and they feel the most connected when they're out in the world and with people and they're driven by people and socializing, we call it internal and external or, or introverts, extroverts. Um, and this is kind of, I'm blending in what I've been learning with this modality and some other, the other things that I've learned. Uh, but some people really are driven by themselves, like their own 
they are their own fuel for everything they do. And it's not that they're selfish or self-absorbed. That's literally where their energy lives is within like, I have to do this thing because I need to do it. Whereas other people, I need to do this thing to save the world. I need to do this thing for my family. I need to do this thing for, you know, it's, we all have our own different ways of being. And I, I think that like the energy piece for me has been more about connecting outside because my observer lives like way out on Jupiter. Like I live in the stars and that's part of the quantum piece is understanding where your energy is. And that's, that's all getting even more out there. Like even all of this is me really holding back. Cause I'm just like, got to keep it uh, explainable. And sometimes I don't know how to explain it, Yeah. but the body part for me, I did a lot of embodiment work and body work and, you know, starting with physical body work and actually understanding how trauma lives in my body. And I was really lucky when I was in law school, my first semester of law school, I had a little bit of a breakdown, didn't leave my apartment for five days, was just so overwhelmed with everything. And I looked for a therapist because I was like, I just need to find somebody who's going to help me manage this stress. I was always thinking, I wasn't thinking like, I've got all this other stuff. I didn't even really understand trauma at the time, Mm. which is wild to me because I went to college for psych and neuroscience. And the way we talked about trauma though, was war veterans and car accidents and big moments. And I didn't identify with that, even though I did have a few, quite a few big moments. Mm -hmm. It makes me laugh in hindsight. But my first semester of law school, I found this incredible trauma therapist who is peers with like Bessel van der Kolk and Gabor Mate. I mean, she's an older woman who's Mm -hmm. been in it for years and she's in New Orleans. So she worked there before and after Katrina. She's worked in some of the most impoverished communities in New Orleans. I mean, she's really been in the trenches and she is also very holistic. It's like, she's a little medicine woman. She's the cutest little thing. I'm obsessed with her. She's from Mississippi Delta, has an accent, is like white hair, little tiny frail thing that wears all white and this like big turquoise jewelry. She's just, it's incredible. So she really held the container for me, helped me understand because I was diagnosed with CPTSD. And that then too made me laugh. And there's just so many pieces that came together. But one of the things she had me start doing was body work and starting to understand the way the trauma lives in the body. So kind of looking at how we talked about like one thing leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. Mm -hmm. And I'd also had sexual trauma. So there was, I started doing some body work of just coming back into my body and my sexuality. And that was a whole journey in and of itself. (laughs) And being, learning how, like, where do you feel something? You know, when you have this feeling, where do you feel it? The first time someone asked me that, I was like, what are you talking about? I just feel sad. Where do you feel sad? I just, what, what does that even mean? So there was a lot of steps of learning how to be in my body before I learned how to be out of it again, because I was really good at dissociating and living out in the stars, which is probably why I love to be there. And I wasn't here. And now, now I'm to a point where, okay, can I live, learn to be in both? Because I do love the embodiment piece and the piece of being here and in this body and really honoring and loving and feeling every little thing and like understanding I've done some like tantric and pleasure work and, you know, really loving this life. Cause why else would we be in these meat suits if they weren't here to love them? Mm-hmm. And then also understanding that like, I'm not this and I'm connected to something else that when we're open and we're connected to, it's like all the answers are already there and everything's already there. Mm-hmm. I love that. I experienced that this last week during somatic therapy, because for me, I did the same thing. I would disassociate and I would, I would always leave my body through my head. And I finally working with an energy healer 
at 21 years old, he, I had so many chronic headaches and I was already sick at that time. And he was working on me and he said, do you get a lot of headaches? And I said, yeah. And they're horrific. And he's like, your soul is literally like leaving through your head and it's causing all this pressure. You don't want to be in your body. And so I learned how to be present in my body and but it was all around safety. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel understood or heard or seen. So I was like, get me out of here, get me out of here. And so my headaches stopped as soon as I was present in my body and felt safe and worked on creating that safety piece. And then it was like you were saying, when you're present and safe in your own body, you're able to go out. You're able to be in the stars, connect. Um, And this week I was at Somatic and we were working through that. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm in two places at once. I fully felt myself in another dimension and here. And I was like, oh, this is it. I can do both. I can be in the stars and I can be present in my body at the same time. It doesn't have to be black or white. Yep. That's, and and you, (gasps) you are, you're already everywhere. Yeah. That's the thing is we get so attached to these identities, but we're, we're not just these identities. We're connected to everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can we sit here and say that we're not? It's like, what is this miracle of human creation of birth? And then to have this level of consciousness, as far as we know, there aren't other species on this planet that have it. Maybe they do. We don't know. That's the other thing. We just don't know. And there's so much that we don't know. And it's like, like with our eyes, you know, when we discovered the telescope, all of a sudden we could see germs and we knew that these little invisible things exist. Like our eyes, our brains, our consciousness meters, whatever, our bodies, our whole signals can only read whatever transmissions we're able to read from the place where we're at. So when we are opening up more to these other possibilities and then connecting more to these other things, we just keep seeing more and understanding more. And I mean, that's other than this energy work that I'm doing just because it's been so profound. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just done. Mm -hmm. Haven't been listening to podcasts in 2019. I basically stopped producing mine for a while, kind of went on and off and was really questioning a lot of what I wanted to do. And now in hindsight, I see last year, a big piece of my learning was not identifying myself with what I do and just really finding my own value and my own love and my own life within just who I am. Mm -hmm. And cause last year, really the rug pulled out from under me in every single area of life, every single area and in a good way, not in a bad way. I mean, it's the first time it wasn't like trauma and depression and chaos. And actually there was some of that though, too. My little brother had a few mental health crises and I hopped on red eye out to New York. And there were things that could have been traumatic, but because I've been doing this energy work and I understand literally showing up in a different state and holding a high place while my brother was in total despair. It was the first time. I mean, it's been 10 years of this with him and it's been heart wrenching. And especially because I went through the same thing with my mom and it's, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. No one's listening to me. I'm telling you the answer. (laughs) That's what I felt like my whole life. Right. Probably why I love being in this line of work where people listen to me. So I'm like, yeah. I know the answer, but I felt crazy because they're all telling me I'm wrong, but then they're miserable. It just was bananas. And for the first time I showed up with him and he just, he had this like moment. It was this sliver of a window where he's like, I might need help. And from there, everything just flowed easily. He's been sober ever since. 
and he, we got him and not ever since he's had a few moments, but you know, nothing crazy out there. And it's honestly to be expected if you've had severe, um, substance abuse issues for a decade to just go, you know, it's, it's a normal part of the trajectory to have little slip ups, but overall he's healthy. He is the most present I have ever seen him. We have a relationship again and he was my best friend growing up. And I still, we had a, just a more distant relationship because we couldn't connect. And now all of a sudden we're talking about real things and he's asking me questions and I'm pulling him into this energy work too. Cause I'm like, you know, he's in therapy and he's been in treatment, but I'm like, I, you don't need to spend the next, I spent eight years in and out of different treatments and just in and out of depression and anxiety and just feeling like there was something wrong and seeking. And now I see kind of the shortcuts. And so I'm throwing him in that and I'm just like, here, figure it out. We'll see. We'll see if it works quicker for him or not. But I honestly don't believe that any of that would have happened that way if I hadn't been doing the work that I was doing, not even work, rising, releasing, and just stepping into the energetics of the person that I wanted to be by myself, with myself, not based on my career, not based on my relationships, not based on my status or any other piece. And just having that moment, that pause and being so high and so good in my life in the total chaos that then everything just kind of started to come together. Mm. And that's, it's another thing. Like I said, it's like, there's no ex human or the way that I was raised at least like no logical, rational explanation for how these, this past year of my life has started working since I stepped out of a lot of the old models and paradigms and systems that I was still operating in and just, you know, let go. Mm -hmm. I like that you bring up showing up differently and the energy of that, because I think, you know, something I hear a lot of times, and it's usually people in relationships, um, is I want to do this work or I want to change or I want to get out of a toxic relationship or I want to, um, surrender and let go and explore what else is available to me, but my partner's not willing to, or they're not in the same place as me. And I love the way you describe showing up for your brother, because clearly you're both in very different places, but the energy that you show up with, the ability for you to let go of all of these things and come to him in that way brought him such a gift and allowed him to do a lot of the same. And it doesn't have to look the same exactly. He's on a different path, but it gave him permission in a way. How do you describe that for people that want to do this or want to explore what else is there, but they feel tied down or like they're being held back by someone? Two things. One, always see the other person as the soul, not the role. Because, you know, when I showed up for my brother, the last, when he got sober, I got a call from his boss. He had been missing for five days. Nobody could find him. They'd sent the police to his house. He was just out on a bender. He's lived in New York city, but it was still terrifying. So, and this has happened before and I don't always go, I've been on like, okay, no more rescue missions. Cause obviously there's codependency and other human things in there. But for some reason, this time I felt, I was like, I need to be there. So I booked a red eye that same night and flew out to New York and got there in the morning, got to his apartment had zero expectations of him sobering up, anything changing, but I listened to that voice in me that said I need to be there. I then texted my therapist, my energy worker, my best friend, kind of got my support system in alignment and said, I'm gonna need you guys. And this is what's happening and this is where I'm going. And so I had my support system for me so that I, if I started having my own falters, I wasn't looking to him or I wasn't taking it out on him. 
And I didn't expect anything of him because I've been, it's been 10 years of this and he has not changed. And I've shown up, I've been on so many rescue missions with this boy, with my mom, with the work I did. I mean, I just, I was like, I'm done, but I'm going to be there for him. And I'm going to let him know that he's loved because he doesn't have that unconditional love for my dad. My dad doesn't know how to do that. Nobody in his life has ever shown that for him. So I'm going to show him. And I showed up and he opened the door and it reeked and he was still drunk. And it was, oh my God, my heart, I wanted to sink so bad. And it's like, you know, like I said, I've been there, done that so many times from the trauma model, I would call it a trigger. And, but instead I just, I was with that for a second because emotions or energy, they just come and go like that. And then I said, nope, I'm not here to get him to do anything or be anything or for him to play a role or for him to be a person. This is just a soul, a person that I'm going to show that I love. And it just, it just all flowed from there. So letting go of the expectation of what the other person's going to do for you or be for you, because it's not their job. It's not their role. They're a soul. Even with our parents, like with my dad, I love him dearly and he loves me dearly. And there are plenty of reasons that I would never talk to him again. I mean, some of the things have been so atrocious there. I have every reason on this plane and yet I'm going to love him absolutely unconditionally, wholly as much as I can with my human moments of slipping up and then calling my people who can support me instead of taking it out on him, you know? So role, not soul or soul, not role opposite. And of course, having that support for yourself. And then with the energy piece, when people talk about other people bringing them down, and this is something I've known for years, but I didn't understand on the visceral level until I had this experience. I always felt like when people said I need to protect my energy or I need to like, you know, not let other people bring me down. I was always kind of perplexed, like, it's yours. And you're, you're the, if we're all transmitters, we're all devices picking up on whatever's around us. You know what it's like when you're sad, you pick up all the sad thoughts. All of a sudden you're thinking you're going into like the same memory you thought of yesterday. That was great yesterday. Now today it was terrible. Or when you're happy, you know, even if you think about a sad thing, you're like, but it taught me and I'm great. So wherever you're at is what you're receiving. It's what you're picking up. Here's the other thing. Energy is just constantly moving around us in, out, up, down, through universes, galaxies, things we don't even know about. It's just moving. It's not stagnant. It doesn't get stuck. We decide that that happens. And so if we are feeling brought down from someone else, it's not because their energy, they're like when they call them energy vampires, Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as that. Like, yes, there are people who feel low and they feel good around you because you feel good. But that's not a vampire for you unless you're focusing on that, you're bringing yourself down. So it's more about you tuning into what you want instead of tuning into the person that's bringing you down. So are you tuning into, like, is it them taking it from you or is it you giving it to them? Because you're you, you're not them. And there are very, very few people, like I know maybe two people that are actually so sensitive um, Danielle page is mm-hmm. one. Oh my gosh. That woman knows herself. She is, she is incredible. And she is actually just that freaking energy sensitive. I mean, she, but her body physically reacts to things. She can be in an environment with a lot of people going through emotional stuff and she starts to like swell up. It's wild, but she's one of like, I'd say maybe, maybe 2% if I'm being generous of the world that are actually that way. Most people just don't know how to manage their own energy and they take on other people's stuff and then they hold it as their own and they feel like crap. And then 
they hold onto it tighter because they're not willing to look at it. And it's oftentimes the other person is reminding them of something that they're, it's like the same thing you talk about with shadow, shadow integration or shadow work. It's like anything you deny in yourself or you're not willing to look at for yourself, you're obviously not gonna be able to do that for the other person. Cause like you can't even handle that for yourself. It's going to be really confronting when that other person is there. So there's, there's a lot to it and it's, you know, I don't, I'm not like an expert who's studied in the scientific fashion for this. This is just my own experience and understanding and someone else might totally disagree, but I just don't, I don't believe in that model. I don't believe, I think that's a limited belief. I think that that's a construct we've created for ourselves so that we can take responsibility off of ourselves when we feel bad around someone else. Mm. Cause it's always you. Mm. Let's talk more about that personal responsibility. Something I have learned to do in the last year is say, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sure. Relationships so do that. Huh? that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been in a bajillion relationships cause I just am a serial relationship person and I just never said sorry. And I blamed everyone else. And I was like, I am perfect. I do no wrong. And it was just so bad. And so now I, I like taking responsibility because it helps me grow. And I don't always come to the place of understanding my role in something or my responsibility in it that quickly. Sometimes it takes me projecting on Connor, getting in a fight, doing the whole thing. And then, you know, an hour later he comes back in and I'm like, I'm sorry. It was just my own insecurities. And that's a really hard thing to do. How have you taken responsibility for your role in your life and the things that you attract, the things that you do, the choices that you make? while also not beating yourself up and having compassion and grace with yourself. I don't perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if anybody does. No. I mean, it's really easy when you're not in that place to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I am just as guilty, which is exactly why I've learned this. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you learn things that you learn through experience, education, learning, reading, this is also go back, goes back to the seeking thing. Seeking doesn't actually teach you anything. If you don't have the experience to have put context to what you're reading, it's just theory. Mm-hmm. And this is why you get, I've worked with Harvard um, PhD therapists who just clueless, like have no idea. And they think they know everything because they know theories, they know books. And yes, they've memorized it and they know the diagnostics and they can, you know, give you a diagnosis. But some things you just only learn through experience. So I think it's a personalized ongoing experiential thing the way I look at it and oh my gosh, I had, you know, I've talked to you about the relationship that I had last year after not dating for two years and being like completely celibate. I mean, pushed like I just needed my me time. And one of the best things I did and also so glad it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Those your vagina. But yes, most definitely. <laughs> but I met this just incredible, wonderful, wonderful guy. And we both have our stuff. And I projected so much on him because I mean, I hadn't dated in two years and I was terrified and I, all of my shit came up and like, you think, you think you're so conscious. You think, you know, your stuff will get into that intimacy. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot, I still hadn't let go of from my last relationship that I didn't realize until this one, because I was so afraid to trust and afraid to show up. And, oh my gosh. And I, I over communicated and he wasn't willing to meet me in the communication. So it ended. But what I learned through that was how much I still wasn't taking responsibility for 
how terrified I was to open my heart because this guy showed up and he was just so there. And then he wasn't, and it ended when he wasn't. So it's, you know, I don't, I really don't have hard feelings and it was a beautiful learning experience, but it also took a little bit of pain when we were breaking up and me instantly doing the like, well, he's not showing up and he won't talk about it. And I've been trying to communicate. Well, yeah, I've been trying to communicate on my terms, but I wasn't showing up fully from the beginning. Like I was holding back a piece of my heart and I was, I left in the middle of the night a couple of times. Cause I literally would just get overwhelmed. And I was like, I can't sleep. I need to go. And it was my heart. Like didn't know what to do with this love and like just the sweetest. And he's like, he had the most healing hands, like just would hold me. And I would just like, Oh, you know, so it's, it's an ongoing process. And I think intimate relationships show us the most for that because it's so confronting and it's that same heart that's been broken over and over and over again. And I still am learning a lot about the intimacy piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, even we talked about me staying with you Mm -hmm. when you invited me, I had a moment of like, Oh no, I'm good. I'll, I'll just get my own hotel, like just stay, whatever. And I'm like, no, you know what? Let people let you in and let other people in and be like, that's something that I'm really learning about. And I always show up. It's not always right away, (laughs) but (laughs) I always show up and take responsibility for it and look in the mirror because that to me is empowerment. Mm. And that to me is justice. Having seen the things that I've seen in the world and both from my own experience and also from the work that I've done. I mean, I've really seen a lot of things that I don't share about too. And justice doesn't come from getting something, getting what you want. It doesn't come from the legal system certainly doesn't come from, you know, going through all the trials and really putting, there's just justice for me is how you go to sleep at night. And empowerment for me is not, I mean, yes, there's, there's a baseline, right? So of course you still always go against, go after what's right or what, you know, like I'm not saying just blow it all off. There's a baseline for me. The baseline is like, you know, even with the feminism, it's like, you need, you need rights, you need acknowledgement. Like there is a baseline. So I'm not saying that none of that matters, but what I am saying is that that is only the baseline. True empowerment, female empowerment, male empowerment, human empowerment, all empowerment is you being responsible and owning your own life. You not being a slave to debt, to other people, to a system, to anything in your life. That for me is the ultimate empowerment. And that only comes through personal responsibility because if it's my responsibility, then I get to be responsible for it. So if I'm a jackass, then I can turn around and say, oh, I was jackass. That's empowerment to me. It's not beating, like I used to beat myself up about it. This is everything I'm saying right now came from like hard earned learned, but that's how I see it now is that that is the ultimate form of empowerment. And I laugh at it because I think I'm hilarious, <laughs> especially because I teach this stuff and I guide so many other people through this stuff. And then when I have my moments and I'm like, you think, you know, so much, let me show you, you don't know shit. <laughs> so true. You get like your right button pushed right? and you think you're so woke. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. let me put you in the situation with your dad and let's see how you, but those are also the things that I'm more and more in the past two years of my life. I'm like, so in awe of myself, honestly, Mm -hmm. how I showed up with my brother, some things with my dad the last year, some things just with everything. I have been really showing up in a way that I never have before Mm -hmm. out of the victim, out of the letting them bring me down air quotes, um, out of all of those things and holding my own and holding my truth and holding 
my connection and just staying open and seeing the soul. And a lot of times I'm talking to myself in my head when it's happening. Cause I hear, I hear the like wounding coming up and being like, Oh fuck this and fuck him. And I just go, you know what, honey, like inner child parenting. Right. Mm-hmm. Which again goes back to all the steps that we've taken to get yeah. here. Sometimes I question if, even though now I look back and know, okay, maybe I didn't need to do all these things to get where I am. I still use all of those things. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, like the inner child work, a lot of my trauma work, a lot of these things that I'm kind of shifting my own models and belief systems now around them. I still very often am in my head talking to myself and use that as kind of a means to diffuse my own tension and then to release and just be present. And then also a pie at the same time. So that's my goal. I love that. And I think the way, I mean, I'll just use this as an example. Cause I think we're so many people, myself included, are scared to have hard conversations and be really vulnerable with someone. Right. And yeah. I mean, you and I have known each other for a bit, but we're not like super close. We're mm-hmm. still getting to know each other. And when you text me about staying with us and I felt this need, I was like, I really want her to stay with us, but I really want to be honest about what we're doing this weekend. And we're like kind of all over the place and my head's whatever. And I was like, I really want you to stay with us. Here's what's going on. But like, please know you're so welcome. And you responded with the same kind of thing. It was like, this is what I'm struggling with. And this intimacy piece of staying with you. And my, my initial reaction is just get a hotel, but I really want to work on letting people in and and being intimate. And I was just like, I knew I love this girl, but now, I mean, (laughs) oh my God, I was like, yes, this is so good. And that's really hard to say and be honest about. And I think that something I've been really working on and kind of what you were just explaining, like talking to yourself in your head when the voice comes in and says, you know, all this egoic stuff, that's just not for you. And you bring it down and you back in your body and back connected to source. And it's like, but this is what's right for me at this time. This is what my intuition says. This is what I know I'm working towards. How have you kind of worked towards being more comfortable of having those hard conversations and also being more vulnerable and sharing those things with other people. This is where I am. This is me and all my honesty. This is how I'm showing up and it's all okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it has been again, hard earned and learned. And right now I'm at, I feel like I'm at a crossroads in life where I'm, I'm looking at the way I've been living and the way that most of us live where we need the hard thing to shift us back on track or like, you know, we get into this place where we need, we need the dark and we need the shadow. We need all the, 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 because that's what guides us. And now I'm questioning, okay, do I actually need to learn things the hard way to learn them? Or can my desires and my like joy and abundance and all of these, can I learn in a different way? So I have not, this is something I'm like learning to master for myself. And last year it was a big practice and I'm really starting to see that there actually can be a new paradigm for myself. Mm. And still for the majority of my life, it's been hard earned and learned. So a lot of it was through trial and error. And I have to tell you, even when I sent that text, I like, right before I press send, I got so nervous and I was like, uh, uh, like, oh, this is too much. Cause I have all these stories in my head of all the times I was too much. I mean, my whole life, I was too emotional. I was too sensitive. I had too many opinions or too. So it's been a lot, a lot of learning. And then I mean, I went to law school, it's communication based and I was working in mental health areas in civil and criminal. So, I mean, really, really hard stuff in places where people, you only get representation if you're below the poverty line or if you're below a certain income, but it's, it's poverty. It's, it's really the underprivileged in every way. And so learning to speak for other people and having those hard conversations and 
learning that the only thing that works in those situations is honesty. And also growing up with that with my mom, it was kind of a double-edged sword because with her and with our relationship, it was always me like driving the honesty in and then having all of the walls put up against it. And even as a kid, there's so many things I can look back on my life where I told my parents, like, this is not working. We need to do this thing. Like, you know what you're talking about? You're a kid. So this is actually something major that I did a lot of just testing out. I, I almost want to hesitate. I was going to say I've done a lot of work around, but again, cause I'm at this shift where I'm like, doesn't always need to be work. Like, do I want to keep describing my life as work? Because that's what I'm going to get more of. Mm-hmm. If I describe my life as hard work or as school, or I'm always working on something or, you know, it's like the school of hard knocks, which is how I've identified it in the past. I mean, isn't that what I'm gonna get more of? Like, is that really what I want? So it's been that hard learned. And then also now just putting my toes in the water and the honest open communication piece I've always really valued and really wanted. And it's been really terrifying. And I, because I've been really, really hurt by it. Mm. And I think it's time I can let go of that story. So I keep choosing to let go of that story. But even in that moment of something so simple of like sending you this text, explaining that it was still a moment of what if she thinks I'm too much? I'm oversharing. I'm over explaining. And even last year I broke up with one of my best friends, which girls you've had a best friend breakup. They're the worst, they're the worst, the most devastating. And that was in January, literally started my year. And a lot of it was because, I mean, we had been going on different paths, but there just reached a point where I had was trying to have honest communication. She just would not do it. And when I would drive it in, it was like, don't want to hear it. Don't want to deal with it. And then had some reaction towards me and it started to feel so toxic. And it started to feel like she was really sweet in there when she wanted something and when she needed something. But then when it was hard or when it was confronting, there was no room for that. And that to me is the ultimate, like, I can't, I've I've lived with that for so long. You know, my whole childhood was just gaslighting and being told, like I said, I lived with abuse and being told that I didn't. I mean, to this day, I have family members that won't acknowledge. There's just so much in there that it's so strongly valued to me that I keep choosing it, but that doesn't mean it's easy or it's natural. Like those thoughts still come in and I still you know, like with you, I didn't know you that well. So I don't know that you would have not been like, okay. Like when I got your response, I was like, yes, my yeah. people, <laughs> but I could have gotten a different response. And then for me, it's just, it's just that acuity, the awareness, paying attention to that moment of how does that person respond? And okay, if they respond in this way, then I can go further. And if they don't respond in that way, then that's just not something that's going to develop further than that point, because I need somebody who's going to reciprocate that. Mm. And This is still a pretty new thing too. I've had a lot of superficial relationships in my past and I've had some really great ones, but the majority of them, we weren't able because hard conversations are hard. They are so hard. Yeah. Which is why they're called hard conversations. Yeah. And it takes practice. I can do really hard things. I have done really hard things. Mm -hmm. So bring it on. (laughs) Well, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's funny. I was thinking about this last night when we were at dinner and and out, I was just like, I love how like vibrant she is. And she's like <laughs> loud and silly and playful and weird and out there. And I learned so much from you and the way that you present yourself and your playfulness and the way you don't take things so seriously in your honesty. I'm, I have been so serious in the past and so wanted to present a certain way. And I think that 
people like you that I'm so attracted to, I feel like it is my soul just wanting to be like enveloped in your energy and know that like this is possible and this is within you too. And just being around someone like you, just it brings it out of me and it's such a joy to be around. And I, I just really appreciate that about you. So thank you for showing up in all of you. <laughs> thank you. And I've been learning a lot from you too. And even, I mean, I met you, you emailed me and invited mm -hmm. me to an event. And again, usually I say no, or I'm like, oh, I don't know this person. But I, for some reason I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And so it's, you know, you're also teaching me and just how easy it is to just reach out and say hi. And then you've had so many people coming and going. And since I know I've been here, our house has been so full. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, wait, this is so cool. Cause I isolate. Yeah. I totally isolate, but it's this fear. Cause I am this really vibrant bubbly. And this is something I've only realized in this last year is this is who I am. And this is who I'm going to choose to be in everything. Even two years ago, I was still very, like I was trying to come out more, but anytime you're trying you're not doing. So I was still really holding myself back. And it's been recently that I've just been like, you know what? I'm too much. I am, I am loud and obnoxious and wild and like silly and goofy. And that was my mom. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's almost piece of me too, that wonders if maybe that not wonders, I know. And this is the first time I'm coming up with this. So it just kind of hit me in a weird way. Um, but that that's me, the healing with my mom and releasing that and her coming back to me mm -hmm. and just like re-embodying that. Cause she was a total goofball. I mean, people who knew her, when they remember her, they're just like, oh my God, Christy, like she was such a wild, goofy, duh. she just didn't have the reality part. So I think for a long time, I was afraid that if I went goofy or if I was fully me, I would be too much and I was going to wind up in some destitute situation like she was and I didn't want to go there. So I went into super serious, like lawyer, achiever, duh, 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 duh. and it feels so fucking good to just be me. And I have to say the most incredible people have been finding me mm -hmm. and like just authentic matches, like my true people, not the forced, not the relationships that are like, I have to be a certain way for this relationship to work, which is when I broke up with that friend who we've since reconnected and hashed it out. And I love her so profoundly. We just are different people, mm -hmm. but we've been able to, we're learning to communicate in ways that work for each other. So she's important enough to, for me to learn different boundaries and different relationship -ness with. But once I made that choice, because she was like the person I spent every day with, we were so close. It was one of the hardest things I've done. And I've not historically been good, like attachment issues, you know, the whole thing. So once I made that choice, that was when I was like, okay, this is time for me to be me and to not attach myself to all these people and not see myself through the eyes of other people. Like, who am I when I look in the mirror and when I wake up and who do I want to be? And I mean, it literally has been within the last year that I've just embraced and like embodied and come back to it again. So it feels really nice to be acknowledged for it. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, thank you for being on the show and sharing things you've never shared before. I really appreciate it. And I just love that you're here. I love being here. Yep. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.